Isaiah 61 verse 3 tells us to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And uh, as she was talking earlier in, uh, in teaching us that brand new song, uh, some of you came in here, and I recognize some of you came in here, and, and you had a spirit of heaviness. There's some things going on in your life, maybe some health issues or some relational issues, whatever it is that's going on in your life, and, and, and it was just heavy on you. And uh, uh, that song, as she was talking about raising up hallelujah, that's an incredible uh, weapon that we have against the enemy trying to get us down. And, and like I said, uh, it, it's not just about a song. It's about the word. It's about the scripture. And, and, and the prophet Isaiah says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So when you have a spirit of heaviness, worship is an incredible, incredible opportunity for you to, uh, to overcome that spirit uh, of heaviness. And uh, uh, I'm so glad that you're here today. I've been, uh, I'm pumped up because we had an incredible time in the early service. God just showed up in, in a powerful way, and, and I hope he does that uh, as well. I hope you came with a spirit of expectation, not just to sing some songs and to hear a message, but I hope that you came uh, expecting God to, to do something in your life because some of you did come in with a spirit of heaviness. Some of you came in with questions, spiritual questions. Some of you came in with an attitude. Amen? It's like, I don't really want to be at church. I can see it on your faces. I know which one. I'm just kidding. But, uh, but we came in here with a lot of different uh, things going on in our mind. I want to encourage you right now to allow the Word of God to speak into your life. Allow the Word of God to penetrate your heart, and then I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and set you up for this. Do what He tells you to do. Throughout, the, throughout this service, uh, He may be prompting you. He may be uh, get, letting your palms get sweaty, or He may cause you to get a little nervous. He may cause you uh, to, to begin to think, okay, there's some changes I need to make in my life. Uh, whatever it is that He has prompted you to do, I want to encourage you to do it. Uh, at the end of the service, we're going to have a time of commitment, a time of invitation, and you have an opportunity to respond. And so I want to encourage you to do whatever God tells you to do in that. And, uh, and so we're, we're going to continue in our series that we started a few weeks ago called Seven. It's about the seven churches of Revelation. And we've been looking at those seven churches. And I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn right now to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the fifth church in the church of Revelation. We're going to be looking at Sardis. Sardis, the church at Sardis. And so we'll look at that in just a second. But one more thing that I wanted us to do is uh, we're, gonna, we're trying an experiment here at Lee Heights for the month of, uh, of, of February. And uh, we do, I don't know if you guys see this, uh, but uh, we have folks that count uh, the number of people in our worship services and things like that. Uh, we're trying to do a better job of ministering to people who are here and people who aren't here. And so one of the things about, uh, about uh, knowing and understanding who's here, who's not here, because we have so many people who are not involved in life groups, and I want, this is a plug for life groups. If you're not involved in a life group, that is a, a care arm of our church. And so we want to encourage you to, to jump in and be a part of our life group ministry, but we want to minister to people uh, who, who come to worship service as well, and so what we've decided, what we're going to do for the month of February, and try this out, we're going to take pictures, I'm going to take a selfie, not really a selfie, I'm just going to take a picture of this section, and I'm going to take a picture of this section, and what we're going to do, everybody smile, everybody, you know, 
Don't make funny faces and stuff. We're going to do that uh, throughout the month of, uh, uh, of February, and, and then every Monday morning, me and Don are going to get together, and we're going to count faces. You know, instead of counting heads and counting noses, we're going to look at faces. And the, other, the, the secret part of this is I'm going to see what kind of facial expressions you have while I'm up here talking to you. And then I'm going to pray about y'all as well. No, I'm kidding. But we do want to, uh, we want to see who we have within an entire month of, uh, uh, and who we're ministering to throughout the month of February. But uh, so uh, if you're part of the witness protection program and you should not have your pictures made, please come and I'll, I'll, uh, uh, we'll pixelate your picture so you uh, won't get in trouble with uh, the FBI or anything like that. But, but if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to... Uh, to the book of Revelation, and we're looking, like I said, at the, the fifth church in the seven churches of Revelation, uh, the church in Sardis, and we're going to be looking in chapter 3. We'll start in verse 1. It says this, Write to the church, write to the angel in the church in Sardis. Thus says the one who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die, for I have not found your works complete before my God. Remember then what you, would, uh, what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you're not alert, I will come like a thief, and you'll, not, you'll have no idea what hour I will come upon you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In the same way, the one who conquers will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and before his angels. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray together. Father, as your word speaks to us strongly, boldly today, my prayer is that you would, uh, you would penetrate our hearts. Some of us came in here and we have hearts of stone. Some of us come in here and we're, uh, we're struggling. We, uh, we have a spirit of heaviness as we, we talked about, as we sang about. Father, I pray that you would penetrate our heart with the truth of your word. And God, I pray that you would do your work in us right now. Allow us to see who we are as individuals, as Christians, as a church. And God, I pray that you would move us to where you want us to be. And God, we'll give you the glory for that. We'll give you the praises for that because you are so worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Sardis was known as the dead church. How would you like to be known as a dead church? They were the church of the walking dead. How many walking dead fans do we have? The TV show, Walking Dead. Raise your hand. Yeah, a couple of you. you. You don't want to do that in church, do you? It's like, yeah, it's a really bad show, but I got a, a preacher's asking, so y'all should be ashamed of yourself. Zombies creep me out. They do. That's why I can't watch it. It's gross. It's nasty. I can't watch. But the walking dead, that's the kind of church this church at Sardis was. They had a reputation for being alive, but they had dead. They were dead. And Jesus said this to Sardis, and it's appropriate for us today. Because our denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, Southern Baptist churches, 10% to 15% of Southern Baptist churches are at risk of dying. Wrap that around your head. Let that wrap around your mind real quick. 900 churches this year, Southern Baptist churches, will, will close their doors. Let me break this down to you. 
17 Southern Baptist churches will hold their last service today. Will die. And so we have a, a, a work to do if we don't want to continue to go down that path of zombified churches. And it's sad because they, they still meet and they're still going through the motions and they're still having uh, religious services and religious activities, but there's no life in them. They were zombie churches. Just like Sardis and just like many of these churches, they had a reputation of being alive, but really they were dead. You know, astronomers, people who look at stars, astronomers tell us that we are so far away, light years away from stars, that sometimes the light that we see from stars is from a star that's already burned out and already had died. Because sometimes it takes up to, it, it can take 30 years for the light from a star to reach that star, uh, to, to go from that star to reach the earth. And the, as you look out at the night sky and you look up at the stars, you may be looking at a bright and shining star that's already dead because it died long ago. They have the reputation for being alive because we can see visible signs of life. We see things happening. We see the light. But their reality doesn't match up with their reputation. They have the reputation of being alive, but their reality is they died. There are churches that have the reputation for being alive, but if you go into them, they are dead. Zombie churches. And that's what the, the, the Jesus said to the church at Sardis in verse 1. He said, you have the reputation for being alive, but you are dead. See, when your reputation doesn't match your reality, that means it's time for a wake-up call. The problem for Sardis is their reputation showed light, but they died, they died a long time ago. And, and some Christians and some churches have a reputation that doesn't match the reality because we still meet and we still perform religious exercises, but we're as lifeless as Sardis was. And if you'll recall the other churches in Asia, Ephesus, Pergamum, Thyatira, what's the other ones? Smyrna. Those other ones, Jesus began by praising some of the things that they did, right? Here's some of the things that, that I recognize that you're doing well. But there was no praise for Sardis. Notice that Jesus ran right on past that. He said, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. And instead of saying, hey, but you know what? There's some good things about you. He, he did not praise that church. There was no praise for that church. There was also no mention of persecution. If you remember the other churches, it talked about how they were faithful in facing the opposition from Satan, in facing the opposition from the enemy, and they were persecuted because of the remnant of people that were still part of those churches. But there was no mention in Sardis of persecution. You know why? They didn't need to be persecuted. There was no threat to the devil at all. So he left them alone. There was no reason for the devil to persecute this church. They were exactly where he wanted them to be. My question to us, I want you to wrestle with this, is are we a threat to the enemy? Are you a threat as a Christian? Are you a threat to the devil? See, if you're not getting any pushback, if you're not getting any opposition from the devil, it's time for a wake-up call in your life. 
Tom Rainer wrote a book called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. And in that book, he says, if you're not periodically running into the devil, if he's not coming against you and your church, then you might just be going in the same direction. See, in order to butt heads with the enemy, in order to come against him, you've got to be going in opposite directions. If you don't run into the devil every now and then, you better check yourself because you might be going the same direction. If we're not experiencing some opposition from the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, then we're really not a threat to the status quo. I want the name of Lehi's Baptist Church. I want our name to, to send chills up and down the spine of the enemy. I want the, the name of Jesus Christ to, to, to strike fear in the demons because we're dangerous to him. Because we're not a dead church. We're not a bunch of defeated Christians or distracted Christians, but we're dangerous to his schemes. And we're locked and loaded and we're ready to charge hell with a water pistol. Who's ready to go? Man, I got a big amen in the first service. Y'all are weak. If we're going to be that kind of church, if we're going to be that kind of Christian, we need to do what Jesus tells us to do, and that is wake up. So what does it mean to wake up? It means, well, there, right, right there. It means wake up, just like the baby, right? Sorry, Kayla. It's, it means stop being a dead church. It means stop being zombie Christians. See, the question for you and me this morning is, what kind of church will we become? See, we've been around as a church since 1960. Some of you have been there, been here almost that long. <laughs> Should I call you out? I'm going to call her out. Pat Spires, I love Pat Spires. She's been here that long. She was born on that. No, I'm kidding. She wasn't born there, no. I'm not going to say she's our oldest resident member. Because y'all will have to find another preacher. She will kill me after the service. I may not make it through the service as it is. But th some of you have been here for a long time. Some of you have been here from, from, uh, <laughs> from early on in, in this church's history. And, and you've seen the good days. You've seen the bad days that this church has seen. But the question is, what is the future going to hold for us as a, as a faith family? What is the future going to hold for you as a Christ follower? And it depends on what we do. It depends on the same thing that Sardis did. Whether or not we heed the message that Jesus spoke through John to the seven churches. The question is, are we going to heed this message that Jesus spoke to us? The reality is, we don't like bad news. We don't like receiving bad news. We don't like, we don't like to, to, to hear bad news. And oftentimes, we reject bad news. I heard a story of a man who told his friend, he was uh, talking with his friend about a, a recent doctor visit. And uh, he said, how was your doctor visit? He said, well, the doctor came in and told me, you're a ticking time bomb. You're a heart attack waiting to happen. You need to lose 50 pounds. You need to exercise an hour a day. And you need to stop eating bacon. And the guy looked at him and said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to find a new doctor. I'm not going to quit eating bacon. Forget it. We don't like hearing news that we don't like. We don't like hearing that we're sick and need to change in order to stay healthy. See, Jesus told the church at Sardis, 
And, and what he's telling us is this. We need to change our reality. We need to wake up. What does it mean to wake up? Well, this is what the text says in verse 2. It says, be alert and strengthen what remains which is about to die. Jesus said that Sardis's deeds were not complete. It simply says that they were not doing, the things that they were doing were not meeting standards of biblical Christianity. They had settled for mediocrity. So many churches, friends, settle for mediocrity. So many Christians settle for mediocrity in their spiritual life. Mediocrity in their marriages. Mediocrity in their, in their relationship with the, uh, with the Lord. They settle for mediocrity in their church and it lulls them to sleep. That's why the devil didn't have to mess with them. Because they were right where he wanted them to start with. They were no threat to him. And, and you know, the lost people of Sardis... They would look at the church at Sardis and see no difference between them and the church. So why in the world would they need to trust Christ? Why in the world would they need to follow Jesus? Friends, we cannot afford to settle for mediocrity. And he goes on to say in verse 3, he said, Remember what you've received and heard. Keep it and repent. Two things. Remember and repent. Remember and repent. Now, what is it that's worth remembering? It's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. But see, it's so easy for churches and Christians to get sidetracked and focused on minors and forget what we've, we've been called to is to carry the gospel to the nations and make disciples of all nations. You know, a lot of times we've, we have churches that are filled with people that are focusing on things other than the gospel of Jesus and other than the, the mission of the church that's laid out in Scripture. And we get lulled into focusing on everything but the gospel. We, we argue, we don't do it here, but we argue over the color of the carpet. We argue over what's in or what's not in the bulletin. We argue over which side, who's sitting in my seat. Dear Lord, thank you so much that nobody argues here over who's sitting in my seat. Instead of the fact that the same gospel you received that transformed your life is the same gospel Jesus wants you to take to the nations. He wants you to take it to, to your workplace. He wants you to take it to your school students. He wants you to take it all over the shoals and beyond. See, our focus has to remain reaching people and making disciples. And we're about to introduce you in the next few weeks, we're about to introduce you to a spiritual growth initiative that we're going to be in all throughout this year, but especially we're going to be very, very focused on it from now until Easter. And it's called, What's Your One? Who's Your One? And in life groups over the next few months, we're going to be rolling this out and we're going to be challenging you to, to identify your one. Your, uh, who's your one? Who is the one person that you're going to lead to Christ this year? Who's the one person that you're going to bring to the Lord this year? And we're going to do it. We've talked about this a few times. We're going to use the 3151 plan. Some of you uh, recognize that. Uh, I've talked about it a few times. But we're ask, actually going to ask you to begin to pray for three lost people. Some of you may say, well, I don't know three lost people. Get to know them. They're all around just bump into people. You work with them. They're in your neighborhood. Pray for three lost people. The one is to learn one gospel presentation. Now, we've, we've taught on this on Wednesday nights before. We've shared these things. And what we're going to do is we're going to begin to video these things. And we're going to uh, upload them to our website and to, uh, to some of our social media channels so you can get a refresher course in how to share the gospel. 
And so we're going we're gonna to ask you to pray for three lost people, learn one gospel presentation, invite five people to church with you. We have invite cards. We'd invite you to take some right now and, and begin now to invite five people to come to church with you, to come to life group with you. And then the one is you share Christ with one person this year. 3151. The question is, who's your one? Who's your one? Who is it that you want to see come to Christ? If each one of us would reach one, guess what? We'd have to want, we'll wonder what we're going to do with all the people. And that's a great problem to have. It's a great problem to have. But what we'll do is we'll help them come to know Jesus, but then we're going to ask some of you to walk with them through a, in a year uh, through the, the Word of God and help disciple them in the Word of God and help disciple them in Scripture so that you can equip them to be a disciple who makes a disciple. And see, we want to be outward focused in our community and around the world. That's why we, uh, we partner with Room in the Inn. Uh, we hosted uh, some of our friends from Room in the Inn this past week, and it was an incredible experience. And God's doing something in that opportunity that we have. And if you're not involved in uh, Room in the Inn, some of you are involved by bringing, uh, bringing food, or you're, uh, you're washing, uh, washing clothes, or you're, you're helping set up, or you're t- helping to clean up. And, and some of you are here to, to help feed and have conversations Some of you are staying overnight, and we're grateful for that. But we want more of you to be involved. Not so we can can, uh, have more and more people involved, just so we can uh, say we have more people involved. We want you to see the blessing that many of us have already seen. We want you to be a part of what God is doing. That's why we're involved in Room in the Inn. That's why we're involved in Guatemala in in a partnership with Eyes Wide Open. You heard Wayne talk about that earlier today. Uh, We... We do this because it keeps our church awake and alive. What kind of church will we become? Will we be like Sardis? One day we look up and we're on life support. We're still meeting, we're still still doing church things, but there's no real life inside of us. See, Jesus called and created and commissioned us to be visible and vibrant and vital in our community. Church, this is our wake-up call. Now, I want you to look at the text. Here's the message that Jesus sent to the church at Sardis. And here's what he's saying to you and me. If we wake up, this is what you and I can expect. Verse 4 says this. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they'll walk with me in white because they're worthy. In the same way, the one who conquers will be dressed in white clothes, and I will... (coughs) I will, erase, I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and before his angels. Jesus will always keep his promises. The text he's talking about here is he's talking to the remnant of people in Sardis. It says, you guys, yeah, you're not quite dead yet. There's still a little bit of a spark. There's still a little bit of an ember glowing. And so... He's talking to those people that are hanging on to the purpose and the power of Jesus. They're going to be clothed in white. They're representing the purity and righteousness of Christ. But the promise he makes in verse 5, he says, The one who overcomes, the one who conquers, will be dressed in white as well. And their names will never be stricken from the book of life. Now, let me, be clear, uh, let me clarify something here. 
He's not talking about the Lamb's book of life, that, that book that he holds that, uh, that lists everyone who's trusted Jesus Christ as Savior that'll be in heaven with him, that'll, that'll have eternal life with him uh, uh, in, in heaven. That's not he, what he's talking about here because your name cannot be blotted out of that. Your name can't be erased. It's written in permanent ink. But, but in those days, cities had registry books where names of of people were written showing that you were part of that city. But your name could be blotted out of that book if you did something wrong, if you were uh, ostracized from that city, if you were kicked out of that city. And so what he's talking about here is, Sardis, your name can be blotted out of that book because it means that you may cease to exist as part of the city because you're dead and you have no effectiveness. You have no... uh, You have no... uh, uh, opportunities left in that city because you're dead as a church. Jesus said to the ones who overcome, he said, he will acknowledge those to his father and before his angels. Now, I'm going to do a shameless plug here because i got a microphone, I can do that. I spent the weekend with my grandson. And uh, many of you know uh, when my son... Uh, married uh, uh, his wife. Uh, we inherited a three-year-old grandson, and we couldn't be happier. We spent the weekend with him. And so those of you grandparents, they wear you out, don't they? Man, but it's so much fun. And, and, and I've got a bunch of pictures of me and him. I've got a lot of pictures of me and Zane, and I love showing them to people. In fact, if you want to come by afterwards, I'd be glad to show you pictures of, of this weekend where we spent time together. We went to McWayne Center. We played in his yard on his swing set. We, we did all sorts of things. I love telling people about Zane. I love uh, showing pictures of my grandson, not because of anything that he's done, but because of the relationship that we have. I show, I show people his picture because I want them to know he's mine. That's my grandson. He's with me. Friends, imagine Jesus whipping out that holy wallet in heaven and opening it up and showing his father, hey, father, let me show you. This one right here, this man right here, he's with me. This woman right here, she's one of mine. Oh, man, I can't wait to brag on them. Uh, They're with me. Jesus says to to the Father, he says to the angels, gather around. Let me show you this person. Let me show you that woman. Let me show you this man. They're with me. They're part of the family. They're robed in white. How would you feel have Jesus say that about you should humble us and challenge us but more than anything else I hope it awakens us to what he's calling you to do today see the decisions you make today will determine the stories you tell tomorrow the decisions you make about your spiritual vitality today will determine the kind of church that we become tomorrow what kind of stories do you want our church to be able to tell? What kind of stories do you want people to tell about you? What kind of stories do you want our church to tell? If, if, you, if you will be the remnant of the church that exists today that says, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to strengthen what remains, uh, I'm going to have a heart for God's Word. 
I'll live by God's word. I will read it. I will study it. I will memorize it. I will uh, immerse myself in it. Listen, if you're not following along with our uh, New Testament reading plan, we have uh, a a reading plan in the lobby for you. Uh, It's on the information table. You see the reading plan along in um, in your worship guide. Follow along with that. Have a heart for God's word and live by it. Uh, you, you'll say you have a heart for God's people. And you say, yeah, I have a heart for most people, just not that one. You have a heart for people. You love them as we gather together and worship. You say, I have a heart for the lost, the people who are spiritually dead. <clears throat> I have a heart for making disciples. I have a heart for meeting needs and serving the community. I have a heart for... Becoming more like Jesus so the dying world will be able to see what real life looks like. See, it's time to stop worrying about our reputation and our appearance and our activity and wake up to the reality of our absolute surrender to Jesus' plan for his church. What kind of Christian do you want to be? What kind of church will we become? The answer depends on what you do right now, moving forward. Let's pray together.